take two men that happen to be cousins who share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? A corpulent cornucopia of cinematic scrutiny we call The Finleys on Film. Okay, now the great thing for you Patreon subscribers is that this is the sort of companion piece to the recently published main page Bond versus Bond, Sean Connery versus Roger Moore, but instead we're taking on the other two, the undercard, if you will, James Bond in this one, which would be, um, well... <laughs> 1967's Casino. Well, yeah, no, you're right. Those are the films, 1967's Casino Royale. Casino Royale and 69's Her, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is considered part of the canon, but come on, we know the thing. Um, the... Well, the, what I was sort of hesitating on was it's difficult to say, you know, Connery versus Moore. You could say that with our the primary episode. With this one, it's Lazerby versus who exactly? Uh, it's kind of interesting, right? But, I mean, I guess it's Lazerby versus David Niven. I guess so. I guess so. I don't know that this is necessarily a versus. There's such two different beasts that I, I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm. I'm not sure that I'm buying the verses. Let's just. I'm just. Let's call these a couple of Bond movies that are outside of the norm. What do you say? I, I will tell you why I think you're wrong about that. But but I will agree with you on the first one, and that's 1967's Casino Royale, which which is actually I guess quote unquote taken from Ian Fleming's first book, although it's actually. 62, uh, five years after the original James Bond movie, Dr. No, they come out with the first, the first of many, essentially, really, parody movies of James Bond. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, by the way, it's, it's an all-star studded cast. It has four directors. It's fucking crazy how good that cast is, actually. It's amazing. Some of them in quite small roles, by the way. Um, yes, yeah, very small roles. It, I should say this from the beginning. Apparently, a lot of the people who signed up for this movie were unaware that it was a comedy. Like, uh, Including the writers, but let's... Uh... Let me back up really quickly because when when, when you proposed this movie, uh, apparently you were under the impression that I didn't want that uh, that I was down with that I was down on that fact, and that's not true. That was never true. Sorry, I've always been, I've been fascinated by this fucking movie forever, and I've never had a chance to watch it. I've heard oh, so okay. many things about it. Yeah, that watching it was like ooh, super exciting to me. So now I now I watch it. Oh, sorry about that. I mis I misunderstood. Getting a little uh, echo. It's all right. Getting a little echo there. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that being that being said, uh, I want to know what your take on this movie is. Um, it's I think it is has all the potential to be a really really funny movie. There are there are elements of it that I think are very very funny. Um, it's two hours and twenty minutes is the problem, <laughs> and um, it's it it is it clearly unwinds as a disaster. You, you'd almost have to believe. That all of it was filmed in sequence because. Are, which are you laughing at the film or at my technique here? No, no, no. At your analysis, because we're 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 on the same boat. I'm glad to know that. Yeah, I mean the. I mean, I think it's actually it's in in many ways a brilliant film and and very very funny. You'd have to believe it was it was filmed in sequence because it sequentially falls apart for me. 
it, it starts very strong. It remains strong for the first, I would say, hour and 15 minutes. But by the time hour two pops around, you're like, my God, this is, it's almost like, you know, we always talk about Blazing Saddles and how Blazing Saddles has that ending that, that clearly was not unintentional. Mel Brooks wanted to like, you know, the horses burst through and it's like Dom DeLuise and like a Hollywood party and and the Grauman's uh, Chinese theater. And it's like, yeah, but just imagine that going on for like 40 minutes. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens here. And it, it was of a time, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the laughing mentality, like suck it to me all of a sudden, you know? And and that's the part that least stands up under the, the scrutiny of time. Now, now the production of this was like legendarily disastrous. I mean, uh, one of the yeah. things you'll notice is that the star of the movie it just isn't there at the end, and it's because he was fired. Peter Sellers was was fired, and apparently Peter Sellers was, you know, Peter Sellers was actually known to be a complete piece of garbage, man. He and, was a he was a sociopath. And in sure. this movie, probably more so than any other movie, you know, I mean, not I'm getting ahead of myself, but Jacqueline Bassett plays. Um, is it Gloria Goodthighs? Not the Bond girl, but it's like one of the like women he beds down. And Jacqueline Bissett, it's it's one of her first films or like speaking parts or something. She did Bullet the next year. Um, Peter Sellers um, pulled the trigger on a gun with blanks on her face, and it left her with burns on her face. <laughs> that's sorry. Uh -huh. That that's kind of like. Um, that's where he's at, you know, and he got in so many fucking arguments. Uh, he and, and uh, Orson Welles refused to talk to each other. So all of their scenes are used doubles talking to each other. And, and, and or Orson Welles is a real, you know, dick himself. But I don't, oh, yeah. Orson Welles was a dick, whereas Peter Sellers was like a piece of shit. And both of them were like crazy egomaniacs. So there would be there would be no no possible uh, yeah no tolerance one way or the other from either of those fucking people. Which is funny. Sure. I mean, because the thing with both of them, and it's I think it's true of, of Peter Sellers, is he's super fucking talented. When he's on the screen, yes. it's like God damn, he's so good. And, yeah, and it's, it's just too bad that he knew it so well because his counterpart, in my mind, is like Alec Guinness, who who apparently was a mensch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, okay. So I, let, let's back this up. I'm going to disagree with you slightly. I think, uh, and and sort of agree with you in a lot of ways. I laughed out loud like four or five times during this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, but mostly overall, I wanted to find a leafy home to hang myself from it. It, it. it was incredibly unfunny throughout most of it for me. Oh. Some of the acting was great. Some of the some of the, the scenes were great. It's just a shame to see like such like like shitty sort of. Shitty writing and this, and as you pointed out, this complete lack of where the fuck it was going after a while. You know, the most consistently funny thing person in the whole goddamn thing was Deborah Carr doing a Scottish accent for me. It was the most consistently funny thing. There were other things, like I said, that made me laugh out loud. But overall, this movie was not. It was kind of a fail for me. And David Niven was great. David watching. Niven was David fantastic. Niven, David Niven's got great eyeball com comedy chops. Yeah. He's just, he can really sell the fuck out of that. But overall, I, mean, I didn't realize people... I didn't, I, I'm just curious as which of the four directors thought Scottish people were that fucking funny. But they had to make fun of them through about a third of the movie. I find it hysterical. I mean, I find Scottish people read so, so ridiculous on face value that maybe I'm just the, the perfect audience for it. But I... I, I found that to be some of the funniest stuff. They're very stuff. silly. I just didn't realize they were that silly. That's fine. Yeah, and just the way, the sort of casual way they talk about rape <laughs> in this movie is just fucking hysterical <laughs> to me. But, um, 
Yeah, I thought it was very funny for a long period of time. I thought David Niven was was funny. I thought the sight gags um, were funny. I thought um, John Houston was funny. John Houston was great. That ridiculous mustache he had. Um, yeah. Even the but sort it was of funny to see like John Houston, Charles Boyer, and uh, and William Holden used so little in this movie. Fucking great! Oh, who's even, Peter O'Toole's is used even less as the. <laughs> the the bagpiper in, in Peter Sellers' dream. Um, yes. <laughs> Orson Welles is there for no particular reason. I mean, he has a function as a villain, I guess, but no particular reason. It's, they're playing cards and he just stops and does, like, magic tricks. That was apparently the last straw for Peter Sellers. It was almost the end of why he was fired, because he acted so poorly. Uh, uh-huh. And he punched one of the directors who called him out, who was apparently a friend of his. Uh, but Peter Sellers was incensed. I guess Queen Elizabeth visited the set. And really? and uh, Peter Sellers got ready to re- to be received or to receive her, and she walked right past him to Orson Welles, and it it just it <laughs> ignited the already sort of like bad feelings they had toward each other. And then oh Orson my. Welles decided midway, kind of like a Brando move, midway through production that he would only continue to be in it if he could perform magic tricks. And Peter Sellers was actually right on that one. Like, why? What's the point? Like, why are these magic tricks in here? So to some degree, part of the just, the just Peter, just Orson Welles showing his ultimate contempt for what was supposed to be a movie, I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, part of the magic, I guess, is just the sort of the legend behind it. But that wouldn't be enough to carry a film. And I do, I, I would recommend the film. I think it's funny, but I do think it just it does fall apart. Probably the last to me, the last funny thing is is um, is the the kind of the famous scene with Woody Allen. Woody Allen, by the way, had done yeah. uh, What's Up, Tiger Lily and, and What's New Pussycat, which were also sort of like even more heavy-handed in the, the sort of like pratfall comedy stuff than this was. And he was so disgusted with the um, uh, the organization of this film. They had him in a hotel room in London for like three months for that part. Mm-hmm. That he, um, a couple of things, he flew back to New York without changing his costume one time and then came back again. And he wrote in his hotel room. He wrote, um, "Take the money and run," because he was like, "I can do better than this." And that's where, <laughs> to some degree, his own sort of actual filmmaking career came from the disgust he had waiting around during this movie. What? And, and I got to point this out: critically underused. I mean, yeah, consistently. Okay, Deborah Carr. Deborah Carr aside, like I was like, consistently, like every time he appeared, which is all of two fucking times, really. Yeah, he was funny. Yeah. He was funny. He was legitimately goddamn funny. He played. He was yeah. He was the fucking uh, the, the the yeah. Anyway, not going to give that part of it away. But he was but his appearances, which were two, uh, were legitimately funny. Yeah, I mean some of some of the thing about Casino Royale is. I mean the premise without again giving too much away. Although it's one. It's not like a, a super spoiler alert movie or anything. Um, it is playing with the idea you mentioned in our primary sort of. Uh, um, Finley's episode, and that's that um, the idea that that James Bond isn't just one person but an idea, and so this film plays with that. There's the retired the retired James Bond, who's who's David Niven, who has to be sort of talked out of retirement, which is they're playing with this trope hilariously, I feel. Um, and then there's a sort of like they're going to put someone in who's a baccarat expert. Is it baccarat? Baccarat expert. Baccarat. Baccarat expert. They're going to put him in. Um, and and um, and that's Peter Sellers as a sort of like fake or or diversion James Bond, Ursula Andress who was Honey Rider in Doctor No, 
comes back as um, an interesting character. I don't want to give too much away there, but she's actually much more beautiful, but also this is what I was talking about with Dr. No. She, in Dr. No, that character, Honey Ryder, liked all, and there's nothing interesting about her except her face. In this one, right. she was actually interesting. And kind well, of funny. They actually had interesting Bond women, like more oh, yeah. than one. There were several of them that were actually kind of had, you know, they were good. And because it's a collage. And, and this movie had a fucking cast, particularly amongst the women. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. really tremendous, man. Oh. It could have been so much better, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's an excellent movie or even a very good movie, but I give it three out of four stars. I enjoyed it. Um, and it has the probably the best Bond soundtrack. Yep. Um, yep. You know Herb, Herb Albert and Burt Bacharach, and, and uh, Burt Bacharach was the writer. But yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, so I mean, I like it. Um, it. It isn't. I wouldn't say it's part of the canon. You know, it, it's obviously an offshoot. It's it's a one off. Uh, well, my understanding is that the guy who won, uh, the guy, the guy who produced this, and I don't remember his name right off the top, but he I tried to work with uh, Broccoli and Company, uh, the, the people who made the, the, the Straight Bond series, and uh, he tried to come up with an agreement to create Casino Royale and make it a legitimate Bond film. Yeah, and the, the, the deal just fell through, so he said fuck it and made a satire of Bond instead. Which is Let's this. explain the Broccoli Company to me. Uh, Albert Broccoli and I, somebody else—they were the producers of they're the producers of the Bond series. Oh, okay. Yeah, like they—they they, they created Doctor No. They—they—they they, they got it. They got the ball rolling. I, I watched a documentary that wasn't very interesting on this, on how uh, the, the Bond, how Bond became sort of a franchise. Uh, and I don't unfortunately remember very much except the guy's name is Albert Broccoli. For some reason, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Because huh. it's a silly name. It's a silly name. Mm-hmm. Now. now, 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 let us na, get na, to na, 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 na. on her majesty's secret service. Two years later, 1969, a return because after you only live twice in 19, also 1966 or seven, same year as Casino Royale, I guess. Um, Sean Connery had quit for the first time, leaving right. the bond thing open. So it's like it's that's by by itself fair game for us to sort of evaluate these different James Bonds. And so we have 1967 George Lazerby in his only appearance as a Bond in in 1969's um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, co-starring Diana Rigg. Ah, uh, Lady Diana Rigg. Yes. And uh, Telly Savalas. Yep, Telly Savalas too. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I got to say. Uh, Right off the bat, well, one of the things that I think is fascinating, there's a whole story about how George Lazenby got got a hold of the part yep. for James Bond, which was he, was, he had been like a model or something like that. He dressed the part and and, and went in for the, uh, the went in for the interview, and it just he basically tried to own being the character, and they thought, ah, good enough. By the way, okay, so that being said, I do have to say this. Uh, this actually might be my favorite James Bond movie. Tommy, it's my yep. favorite James Bond movie. What's that? It's my favorite James Bond movie. And fur- okay. furthermore, Lazerby, I think, is the best James Bond. I think so, too. God damn it. <laughs> wow, okay. He, I, he gets so much shit for not being Connery or more that it's a fucking tragedy. It, it's a mystery to me why he's not the favorite and why he wasn't. Now, you probably know the story. He must have. Did he get? Was it a bad sort of critical reaction, or did he decide not to do any more? Why didn't he do any more? Because he's great. No, it's just a bad critical reaction. People were pissed that it wasn't. People were just pissed that it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't um, uh, Connery. It's ridiculous but, yeah. because in the main episode, I talked about how I preferred Roger Moore to Sean Connery because Roger Moore had at least more like humanity to him, yeah. and I would say that's more true even so of of Lazarby. He is both more sophisticated 
and has more humanity and self-deprecation, and I think it's fucking great. And it's the best. And it's just the best goddamn. It is the best movie. It's man. so good. This There's movie con- is so good. Bond has consequences. He's a human being. It's a fucking. It's just so well put together. Telly Savalas rocks the shit out of being Blofeld. Great fucking uh, uh, Telly Savalas. Yeah, agreed. One pre. And, no, and, and, and Lady Diana Rigg was my first crush. Speaking of the Avengers, which got we, we brought up on the uh, the original uh, the, the, the first episode. Yeah. Uh, Diana Rigg made maybe my very first crush as a person, and 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 I have to. You know what I found out watching today? You know what I found out rewatching this movie? Uh, she's still my number one crush. Emma, damn, she, she was Emma Peel in the Avengers, right? Yes, yeah. And yeah. there's a there's a. And I, she's I, also in Game of Thrones, and she was awesome in that. Uh, do you know who Olivia Coleman is? No. Uh, you probably have seen her in like Peep Show. She was in Fleabag. She was in that movie, The Favorite. Um, she looks. Okay. She's not considered a beauty by today's standards for some reason, but she looks facially exactly. I mean, just like a very much like uh, Diana Rigg. And Diana Rigg also, I would say for a James Bond girl, the, the most complete James Bond girl. Now, this sounds kind of douchey. It makes, an actual human. Yeah, it makes us sound a little like we're trying to be PC, but it's not that. It's just that in the end, it's you can have a, a, a knockout woman with a great body. And of course, yeah, that's appealing, but it can only go so long in a film. If you have something else, why not add it? And she does. Yes. She's complex. She's she's uh, adventurous. I mean, they give her a, a car chasing herself. I, I'm not aware of yes. other James Bond movies. She's a badass. She is herself a badass. She has this complex sort of um, character development as the daughter of an underworld figure, who himself is interesting. I love that guy. Um, the you know here's the thing like just because like it's a mis- it's a mistake to think that every guy likes a woman who's a fucking uh, who's just like a like a like a carpet or something like that. I like a badass woman, and this woman, Diana Rigg, is definitely that in everything she does. And from the get go, by the way, this factors into to her, but also the whole film from the very opening scene where he meets her on the beach which I don't even want to talk about much more, but he meets her on the beach. From that very opening scene, from the direction and the cinematography, it's like, oh, this is an actual, beyond being James Bond, it's like a well-made film. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. it certainly will have moments where you're like, okay, that's a cheesy background while they're skiing, or like, eh, that's kind of yeah. corny. But it's almost like they allow themselves the corniness rather than just sort of like use it as a crutch. I mean, he has ridiculous puns. The guy, I'll give this away, uh, one of the bad guys gets scooped up in a, in a snowblower and, and his, his insides get blown everywhere. And James Bond on skis uh, somehow communicates to Diana Rigg, well, he had guts. It has that stuff, but it's almost like, yeah, because it's in the context of a fucking great movie. Well, and it also did this thing, which is it showed like a giant shower of pink snow coming out of this oh, fucking snowblower, yeah. which would have been left off of any other fucking James Bond movie. Yeah, it, also, was, I remember, it was more explicit, I would say, with the sex. It wasn't. It wasn't innuendo. It was like, it was more explicit with sex. It was more explicit with violence, and yet it had sophistication. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the ah, oh, fuck it. Um, just the. But uh, my, my, also, I have to say, it had my favorite sort of like fourth wall break. Oh yeah. The nods, <laughs> the the nods, nods of the Doctor No. Oh well, there's that. Um, but also, he, he just he pulls Honey Rider's knife out of a out of a box. <laughs> Point. Yeah, but also he uh, at the very beginning of the film something odd happens and he he turns to the camera and says that never happened to the yeah. other fellow. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking yeah. great, yeah. man. It's I think yeah. it's a, it's 
yeah, by far my favorite of all the Bond films, excluding maybe stuff like I haven't seen a few of the, the more recent ones. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think, um, like, as far as certainly the first, like, three decades of Bond goes, I would say this is the best actual movie. Yeah. That got made. I mean, like, as a, as a movie, not as a Bond installment, but as an actual movie, I think it's the best one. I will say I think Daniel Craig, certainly in Casino Royale, did a really good job. Yep. I, I, there's, that was a really well done movie as well. Well, that's the one, so, like, where, like, it's in Venice and parts of Venice start sinking or, or like, the buildings start separating. And it's like, yeah, well, right. in 2006 or whenever that was... See, that's the shame of all this stuff. It's it's why you kind of have to give some movies a pass because sometimes they they tried to make movies too early. Yeah. And and so as a result, it's like you know, I mean, some of the some of the stuff in some of the earlier James Bond movies literally just barely passes like the uh, the the painted. Um, uh, paper plate on a fishing wire, uh, you know, type of uh, presentation. Yeah. Not a great reference, right, no, but... And, 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 but at the same time, okay, but back to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, like, that's fucking ski, that ski chase down the mountain. Yeah. Compare that to, the, was it The Spy Who Loved spy Me? Spy Loved Me, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Spy that, Loved Me. That, yeah, The Spy Who Loved Me, like, this was a much better ski chase, in, in every sense of the word. Yeah, agreed. And, and it didn't end with him, like, escaping because he had a fucking parachute on his back for some goddamn reason. Right. No, I, I agree uh, totally, one hundred percent. I'm um and, then the, and I want to find that goddamn the stunt the, the stunt guy who skied down a mountain on one ski for like ten minutes. Yep. Bad motherfuckers, man. It has a, uh, you know, even the corny moments. You know, he's at the um, for reasons you got to watch the film to sort of understand why James Bond ends up masquerading as a gay genealogist in an aller- in an allergy castle. <laughs> <laughs> but the women it, it, he's wearing like, Scottish wearing his Scottish tux. That's right. And, but the, the 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 women who are presented there and he he beds a couple of them down are, are kind of hilarious themselves. Mm. Um yeah, I, I think it's 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 definitely my favorite. Yeah, no, it's that, that yeah, I, I would say that hands down. I think it's the, it's the best movie. It's the it's my favorite James Bond movie. Yeah, and I gotta be. I, I like George Lazenby. I like him as a James Bond too. He's great. He's fantastic. I wonder what else he's done. No, very uh, almost nothing else. I don't think. I think he did maybe one or two other things. Hmm, that's funny because these films, you know, like Casino Royale, uh, the, the the Peter Sellers one, um, was not a critical success at first. And yet, um, I read somewhere as of 2012, his estate was still m- making major royalties off of that movie, Casino Royale. Really? So maybe, wow. it's, maybe okay. it's the type of thing Lazarus would just set up for life by doing this one thing. Because even though it's dismissed unfairly as like not part of the canon, not one of the better ones, a mistake, blah, 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 blah. People talk about it who talk about James Bond always. Yeah, but they do it so that they could shit on uh, uh, on this movie. And it, what it, did he do? Why? He just, you know, he wasn't, uh, that's it. He just wasn't fucking Connery. Connery smacks him around. And put the nail back in it by coming back and doing one more James Bond movie. That was a dick move. I feel that's why he did it, too. Like, no, if you're going to do that with my rage, But, like, you know what? Just grow a beard and play wacky dudes. That's your fucking forte. I don't think he's a great James Bond. Yeah. Okay. Right. I don't, Fair Tommy. Enough. I don't. He's, he's no judge. Let me put it that way. He's no judge, last week. Let me ask you. We talked in the main episode, I, or I mentioned um, 
uh, Cary Grant. Can you think of any classic actors in, within the Finley scope of pre-1980 that would have made another great James Bond? And, and I don't have an answer loaded or anything, but can you think of any other sort of actors that never got the chance or who died before the series started? Like, would, would Clark Gable? No. No. No, no, Physically, no. I think Gregory Peck is probably the closest to the book of James Bond physically. Ooh. Like, like, he would look the part very much. How about Alan Ladd? Oh. What Jimmy Durant? Kind of short. What? Oh, yeah. Jimmy Cagney. Cagney. Nice. Hey, you're yeah. <laughs> Close, you mug. Uh, all right, Tommy. It's been I don't a... know. Actually, now that you mentioned it, Alan Ladd might be a bad idea. He was so self-loathing, you could probably do something with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Truly. Uh, it would just be worth it just to see him try to pull off the British accent for any length of time. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, just a sort of side note, I find it interesting that um, Michael Caine, two of his best friends ever, were Roger Moore and Sean Connery. Well, and Roger Moore and Sean Connery were good friends too, I think. And they all hated George Lazerby. <laughs> <laughs> they would invite him. They would invite him to parties and then hang a sign on the door that said "No Georges" when he got to the door, and he'd have to turn around. No, fuck off, really. No, I'm kidding. What are you <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me that, yeah, you're right. Actors are fucking humans and would never do something that cruel. Uh, <laughs> it's just funny that, I mean, if you had said that, I might have believed it too, but it's just funny what was going through your head at that time. Like, oh, what dicks? <laughs> well, <laughs> I would actually, I wouldn't credit, now that I think about it, I wouldn't credit more with doing that, but I wouldn't put it past Connery. <laughs> All right, Tommy. Um, I can't think of anything else. Uh, oh. Okay. Your uh, website for your comedy? Smitty, uh, TomSmithComedy.com. Go okay. check it out. Uh, should be up and uh, should be up shortly. Rate and review us on iTunes and send us an email at finleysonfilm at gmail.com. Uh, thanks, Tommy. Catch you later. And thank you for being our Patreon. Yeah, that's...